Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome again to the Dementia Care Partner podcast series. I'm your host, Greg Phelps, along with Tipa Snow. And Tipa, COVID care in communities. Yeah, I, I know I'm a, I'm a Canuck. I'm up here in the cold north. Uh, and unfortunately, COVID is on the rise in the U.S., the U.K., and just about every other country. What lessons have we learned so far or, or not learned as we're seeing COVID spreading again in the care communities. It's, it's devastating numbers in our country, I'm sure in yours as well. Yeah, I mean, the percent of people who get significant symptoms of COVID and actually die from COVID are disproportionate in, in facilities, in residential care. Um, what we're learning is smaller facilities, the smaller the building, the smaller the grouping, um, in general, the less risk, um, the more controllable the risk is, the more easily it, it is managed or controlled or contained or sectioned off. The larger the communities, the more risk there is that things cross over and spread because often staff are having to cover larger territories or are having problems um, getting from one place to the other without possibly sharing things they never meant to share. And PPE is still problematic in many, many locations for sure. So here's a difficult question that ties in with that. Is keeping our persons living with dementia safe by keeping them apart from their families, is that really the answer? Because the COVID is still getting into the facilities. It is. And I think this idea that, you know, if we could just keep family out and visitors out, and well, we are. I mean, we did that before. We're doing it again. And it doesn't seem to be making it not happen. I think what we're missing is that um, there are other elements to be taken into consideration. One is caregiver fatigue. I mean, we are asking these caregivers to don and doff and do and it's a new routine, it's a new habit. And anytime you're trying to integrate a new habit, and the new habit is this hygiene practice that we've added in, this use of PPE um, that we've added in, and this need to pause and stop and do all this thing, the more of that that has to take place, the higher the risk there'll be errors. So if we went ahead, and, and again, the, the data shows if we take a small community area, and those people are with each other all the time, so we're just going to have them be with each other all the time, and we won't say that they're individuals, so we're saying that they're like a family unit, and we're going to treat it as a family unit. We've actually shown that there's at least the same low, the same rate or lower rates than those larger groups where we tried to individually separate people, and more importantly, we are not seeing the reduction in skills and loss of abilities and the numbers that we're seeing for people who are being isolated individually. We hadn't, we hadn't taken social isolation into account when we decided to be so protective. We could do that with our kids too. They wouldn't get in any sort of a trouble if we just locked them in their rooms, right? Till probably they're 18 or 19, that'd be good. Yeah, I'm not thinking that actually works any more with kids than it would with uh, people living with dementia. Because what we're saying is, how do you learn skills? How do you use skills? Why do you use skills? What do you do during your time? Well, it actually is uh, modeling off someone else or engaging with someone else so that causes us to use our brains in unique and different ways that aren't risky or dangerous. 
So if I put you in your room all by yourself, then your brain will give you things to get into. And before too long, there's been an accident. There's been a problem. You're doing things that are challenging for me. Um, or you give up and don't do anything, which means you've turned your brain off and you're not even doing anything. So what we know is that people living with dementia, one of the reasons we brought them into residential care is get support uh, for a lot of brain engagement. And we know that good programs do that. And we know that programs that aren't so good don't do that. They're just housing, warehousing people. And when we do it even more distinctly by keeping them separate physically and not allowing them to walk around and not allowing them to engage in the world around them, um, what we're seeing is dramatic decreases in ability in about one third to, you know, somewhere between one third and half of everybody who's developing dementia is showing significant changes in a negative direction when we do so much social isolation. So in our efforts to protect them, we're actually speeding up uh, the process. The thing they have. And, yeah. and the tricky part, we don't know how much of it is dementia and how much it is dis, what we call disuse atrophy or depression or anxiety. Um, there's a lot of anxiety that comes when you just sit alone all the time with not much to do or a lot of depression when, or apathy or loneliness and fear. And those emotions sort of destroy your ability to think well and do well and, it, and even care. So, um, I, you know, I think when we started, nobody imagined that we would be talking eight, nine months, year, and we are, and we are, and it's time to move away, in my mind, from the emergency knee-jerk reaction of separate and safe to what's our care plan? How are we going to help people live their lives with this COVID thing as part of the equation, but not the only part of the equation, because they already had dementia. I think we forgot that. Now, some of the innovations that uh, you've talked about and that we've seen, uh, Zoom, FaceTime, window visits, it offers a, a brief hope for some people, but it's not quite the same as, as the huggy, feely, touchy. No, and the reality is once a person is at a certain place in dementia, that's, that's unrealistic to think someone doesn't need to do that. I mean, when I'm going into change and incontinence brief, I mean, if all I'm doing is changing the brief, then I'm not caring for the person. It should be a connection first and this, this whole process. If I'm going to have to get close enough to do the brief, then I should, be, I should be doing the hug while I'm there. I should be doing the connection, the dance. We should have some fun, some joy in the doing, in the conversation and connecting. And I'll go back to, so a lot of families have socially isolated themselves so that if and when the time comes, they're at lowest risk for someone else. And this proposal that's been put forth by some of the groups in both the US and Canada going, okay, well, let's, let's create this opportunity where we can have family caregivers who are essential. They are essential. It doesn't have to be physical care they're essential for. It's the emotional, social dementia care they're essential for. And we need to make them part of the team, not treat them as the enemy for people who are in this isolated situation. Well, all we can do at this stage is cross our fingers and hope that the situation improves. Uh, we're working every day trying to make lives better, but I, I think most everybody now is sort of pinning our hopes on some of the vaccines that are, are being uh, talked about, and seniors are right at the top of the list. So, 
Yeah, and, and that's great, except there wasn't that much testing with seniors, so it's a bit frightening. I mean, I'm just going to, I'm not being devil's advocate, but I'm just saying, you know, that not that many people who were seniors were tested um, in that initial trial vaccine group. Um, just, just putting that out there. So, I mean, it's not that they didn't put a few folks in there, but they didn't put very many, and I'm not sure that people are of color and and people of certain demographics that have the highest risk were included. So I'm hoping this is all good and well, but you know, I suppose time will tell. Basically, it's once again, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Tifa, thank you very much. Greg, thank you for a hard topic, but it, we need to talk about it. It's not going away, so. Tune Thanks. in next time for another podcast.